The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. All right. Hey, you know, last week I think I shortchanged some of us in the conversation regarding mourning because of this a thought that I know I did not probably make as clear as I could have. So I want to share something quickly and then we'll move on to the topic of, of the meek. When I mentioned that, that God comforts those who are mourning, I, I, want, I think maybe the picture I might have created is, is that like a child where a father comforts and, you know, does the little pat on the back and it's going to be all right and, you know, hang in there. And that's not quite what it's like when God comforts us. The comfort that God gives us is actually changing the character and uses those times of mourning and seems like with loss to actually almost squeeze out the person that we can be. And that's the comfort. You're changing from the person you are to the person you're going to be. And, and, I, and I want to drive that in because for some of us, I think we enter that period of mourning and, and we just want it to stop. We just want the pain to stop. And that's not really God's necessarily his goal. His goal is to move us into a new direction, into a new personhood. All right. But this morning, we're going to talk about uh, blessed are the meek. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5 and take a look at these words now. Matthew chapter 5. As a good rabbi, he would be sitting down as he's speaking, and most of the folks would probably be standing up around him. He, this, the story tells us that he's up on a hill a little bit and has this natural amphitheater that he's speaking out to, so his voice is projecting. There are folks from various communities and cultures already in Israel. They're, they're the Italians, the Greeks, um, the, the various religious orders there. Um, some are liberal, some are conservative. Um, there's small business owners, there's peasants, there's, there's single moms, there's men, there are married people, um, young adults. There's just, I mean, a whole, um, you know, diverse crowd of people listening to this young rabbi in his 30, I mean, depending on how you, you, you know the calendar, about 29 to 30 years old, and he's starting to speak. And in this particular verse here in Matthew 5, 5, he's actually quoting from Psalm 37, 11. In that, in that particular psalm, David is encouraging people not to take justice into their own hands. Not actually to, to lash out in moments of anger. And in Psalm 37, 11, he says, you know, blessed are the meek, or they will inherit the land. And Jesus puts a slight little twist on it in this that we'll, we'll see in a moment. So he's speaking to, a, he's a Jewish rabbi speaking to a Jewish audience in the state of Israel at the time. So you have to sort of feel there's, there's, a, there's a Middle Eastern flavor to this first and foremost. In fact, you know, now that I'm on that subject, um, one of the best things you can do when you read these words, the scriptures, is that you have to put yourself back to the moment of what did the first audience hear? What was the speaker saying to the original audience? Because what's happened a lot of times is that we have so constructed a European, Western, Southern California, American version of the scriptures that we've washed it from perhaps its original intent. And so when you think about the group that he was speaking to and who they were as people and who Jesus was as a person, what he represented as, as the rabbi, and what, what he taught, then you maybe might get a different feel for it because this is a group of people who are essentially occupied by a foreign army. And though there's always this sense of injustice and insult to these people who do not know Jehovah, do not know God, as the Israelis would have known him, are in their land controlling everything that they do, essentially. Have even stripped them of the ability uh, to exact justice, in that case, um, capital punishment. 
So when he's speaking to these people, he's teaching them and speaking to them and everybody from all these different groups and classes right, are drawn to him. Because somehow, for some reason, what they hear is not just another voice telling them what to do, but they hear a voice that seems to drive them to their, and their souls to thrive. It starts to make sense. It's starting to illuminate even the areas that seem to be very dark. It's starting to untie the knots that seem to be very confusing. Now, I've also said that this, in this particular passage, it almost seems to be a series of steps that a person goes through. For example, blessed are those who mourn. And we talked about spiritual nakedness and emotional nakedness and having that sense that somehow you, you are bankrupt without cover. Um, and then that, when that person gets to that moment, you know, the, the natural response is going to be a, a place of mourning. Right? And then God connects and he synchronizes and he draws somebody in to change their character. So what they mourned Maybe it's changed. But, you know, as you recall last week, we mentioned that what you mourn is an indication of what you value, right? What you miss is an indication of what you value. So this next step then is, is blessed are the meek. Let's take a look at it. Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. There it is. There's, that's what it is. So um, let's, let's try to unwrap this a little bit. When, when I say the word meek, if... if uh, by the way, how many of you have ever been, someone tries to set you up on a blind date, or, oh, you need to meet this person. What's the first question you ask? What, what, what are they like? And, and for guys, the death thing, the, the, the no one is, oh, man, she's so nice. <laughs> right? When, you, when a guy hears she's so nice, he's like, uh, okay, yeah, you know, I'm busy that night. I, I haven't told you which night it is. I, I, I will be busy. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm Great personality. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm just curious. What, what, what a girl hears... What, what do you girls hear that you know that you're not interested? What do you have to hear? No job. <laughs> so he's an actor or, 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 or a, a musician. <laughs> yeah, you know what you call a musician with a pager? An optimist. <laughs> oh, cheap shot. That's a pager. That's right. I'm showing my age. All right. Yeah, you're right. There you go. When you hear the word, oh, they are really are a meek person. That sounds pejorative. So I'm curious, what do, you, what do you guys picture when you think of a meek person? Weak, right. Wimp. Shy. No backbone. Sort of like a boneless chicken ranch. Slithering chickens. Where do you get boneless chickens from? I mean, I, like seedless watermelons. I don't, all right, what else about weak? I mean, a meek person. Anything? Last one. Make it good. Calm. Calm. All right, well done. See, you know what's funny about this? That almost, almost all of that is pejorative, except that last one. And I think even some people could look at the word calm and say, oh, this person has no passion, that nothing seems to get them excited, they, they don't care about life at some level. And yet Jesus says something very extraordinary here. He says, oh, you... You are so fulfilled. You are so happy. You are in the sweet spot of life when you are a meek person. And, and because it sounds so pejorative, there's nothing about it that sounds attractive to us. So we go back to, and I'll, I have to take a step back in before I begin to unwrap this a little bit. 
is that I've mentioned over and over again the idea of voices going on in your head. Somewhere along the line, you have to decide which voice you're going to listen to. Now, here's, I'll make a, a distinction. Um, I, I'm a God person. And so naturally, I assume a spiritual world. And part of that spiritual world, in my spiritual world meta-narrative, is that there are forces that are for good, and there are forces that are dark. Actual dark entities that have the, have the composition of personality, intellect, emotion, and will. Now, I think for some of us, that's a little bit kind of a creepy conversation. Like, we we're totally okay with the idea of angels, totally okay with the idea of God, but something dark, it always seems to be like, oh, that's just kind of dark. There's not actual entity in that, is there? I further think that those some, sometimes those entities actually speak to us in very sinister voices. And they will confirm the worst of you and tell you that's all you are. And so now when Christ comes along and starts to speak to us, then the question we have is, who's telling the truth? Now, I, I, to me, I have kind of a, a, a simple litmus test for this, is that what is it, which voice seems to cause me to thrive? Which voice is it that seems to push me towards becoming a better person? And I have a simple test to determine how, if you're a better person or not. Are people better when they leave you? You know, are you the kind of person that brings out the best in other people? Are you the kind of person people just put up with? You know, like you're married. But are you the kind of person because of what God has changed in your life, that you're able to bring out the best in, their, in other people's lives. So when Jesus talks about the idea of meek inheriting the earth, there's something to us about not having no power, but actually having power under control. In fact, let me even unwrap the word as it would have understood it. I watch a lot of documentaries, way too many documentaries. Some of my favorites are the slow-mo action films of animals when they're in pursuit of their prey. You know, I, there's something about that kind of strength and, and under control that's amazing to me. And one of them is a horse. Ever seen a horse? like a stallion in full gallop, but within it's slow-mo? And you see all the muscles rippling through its body, or a lion, as it's, you know, getting ready to, you know, attack and kill uh, its prey. There's just this tremendous power. But the first audience, when they would have heard the word meek, they would have immediately thought of a horse that actually is bridled, that has all of its power still, but its power under control. And that's what the word means. You are in the sweet spot of life when your power is under control. Now, don't think of the word control. It's easy to think of control as confinement and, 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 and you know, boxes and, and being held back in check. But I want you to think of control as a sense of actually focused and channeled in a way that you want it to be channeled channeled in a way that's healthy, channeled in a way that's focused, channeled in a way that's intentional, not out of control. So immediately, let's just take a look at ourselves. Have you had those moments when you find yourself, your emotions, or your appetites, or your passions, or even your heart, the way it races? That it seems to be, you, you, you're almost, I'll tell you exactly what it's like. 
I've had those moments where even in the midst of a horrible, ugly act, I'm able almost to step back and see myself saying, don't do this. Like you're watching yourself. Have you ever had those moments? You're even observing your own life. I'm not speaking about a near-death experience. I mean, you're actually, you're actually having another conversation in your head as you're having this conversation down here, what you're doing, saying, stop doing this. And the voice of reason or the voice of hope that speaks to you and says to stop, you realize you can't. Or worse, another voice comes in and says you shouldn't. It says, what's the point of, what's the point of stopping? And so the idea of meekness is a person who actually has his or her power and influence and his talents and strengths and their body and their managed, all that under control. That's what they would have heard. That's what they would have understood. And this is what Jesus was talking about. I tend to think most of us probably have some um, huge issue with our fathers or men in general. Uh, you know, I, I, for most guys, look, let's just say, I'm going to paint with very broad strokes. So, you know, it, 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 some of it may not be totally your experience, but I think you'll, you'll probably see this person somewhere. Most men generally tend to be a bit stronger than the women that are in their lives. Not always, but tend to be. There's a physical strength, there's an emotional strength, hopefully. And there's something built into them that really tends to draw us to be wild. You know, um, what's that old thing that sometimes women say, oh, the best men are married or, or gay. And, and I think that, that marriage has a way of domesticating guys. It puts them under control. Because now you have something you're, you're committed to, you have to live for. You have a, a wife, you have a family, you have a, you have a stake in the game. You have skin in the game, as it were. And, and for single guys, this is not a disparaging thing, but, but to a large degree, you know, your, your, your focus, if it's not maybe a community thing, your focus can be just you and it can be unhealthy. I also know that even men who have families and tend to become better men with a family. The, the problem is, is that that doesn't mean that they automatically get rid of all their negative baggage. And we can be very unsafe. As single men, as married men, we can just be totally unsafe. Because you don't have anything under control. You, you, you consume from women, you consume from other men. Perhaps if you have a tendency to be violent, you will act out in violence when you're frustrated or perhaps not getting what you want. Or you use emotional violence against those who are close to you to, to manipulate and, and, and wound, and you're just not safe. And we have projected an image where it seems that men should be stripped of their manhood to be safe, and that's not necessarily what happens. Or healthy, I think it's just the men who, who are not, who don't have their, their emotions, their appetites for themselves under control. Ever played that what, what's that game? Uh, by the way, I hate board games, so never invite me to a board game. But if you, just saying. Because you know, I, I hate, yeah, you're right. I hate the, uh, I, I, I hate losing, and I hate losing to inanimate objects, right? It's just, why should I, it's like the way I, I like traffic signs. I don't listen to my wife, why would I listen to the sign? It's not, it doesn't make my dinner or talk to me, so why would I listen to it, you know? Stop, yeah. <laughs> As if, you know, well, not in public roads, but certainly in the private roads. But at any rate, my point, and there is one, 
Jingo, you're right. You know that, that, that stack of things, and when you pull out one thing, you know, you're, you're trying to, I guess the object of the game is to collect sticks. Wow, right, you can put that in the resume. But my point is that uh, I'm good at Jingo. So, um, but, but see, there comes a point when you pull out that one last thing that it all, you know, falls apart. And what I'm saying is that there's some, some folks that have the notion that, we, that, that people need to drive out certain things from manhood to make them healthy. And what I'm saying to you is that you cannot drive, you cannot pull out stuff without damaging the whole. So it's not, I'm speaking to guys in general here, obviously. It's not that you need to get rid of stuff as much as you need to put your stuff under the control of God. So that you're safe. So that you are happy because you're living in the words that Christ talked about by being meek. And I know I'm speaking to the ideal. I know that I'm speaking to situations that perhaps not all of us are actually, you know, living out and experiencing on a regular basis. But see, but I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted. I have to consider, okay, this is what Jesus is saying. Either he's wrong or I am. And these are what all these other voices are saying to me, including my own. Right? So I'm stuck. Either he's wrong or I am. Either he's wrong or you are. And I can't get myself, even with my arrogance, I can't get myself to say that he's wrong about anything. Right? So it's a person who actually lives their life under control. And it's, it's um, in fact, even to take it further, um, especially those who are creative, sensitive types, men, speaking about still, you, you're, you're poetical, you know, you're a musician, you're an artist, you know, you're... You're that guy, right? See, but sometimes if your life is out of control, it can become very sensual, very, very lustful, very dirty. In fact, you can even use that cool vibe to manipulate women. If you tend to be not that guy, you're more of the sports, you know, you're more of the, there's a physicality to you, you, you enjoy contact. You're that guy that loves to get into a fight and then shake hands with your opponent afterwards, all bloody and sweaty, because you're, you're just that guy, right? You, you enjoy that. Uh, but without having that under control, you could be violent, you could be dangerous, you could be harmful. And that's just the flip side of all of our talents and all of our, all the power and things that God has built into us. There's a dark side to everything, but there is also something beautiful that God has designed in all of us. And when it's infused and baptized with his presence and infused with his life, it actually gives life to others. You see, men or women, all of us have the image of God implanted on us. Now, it, it, it's, it's marred and it's a little bit, you know, faded, but we all have that stamp on our souls. Every single one of you. Every single one of you. And in that sense, when God spoke to our ancestors and said, let's make them in our image, he infused us with ability to create, to speak, to think, to love, to even reproduce ourselves, to have community and relationships. Now, think of the incredible power that he infused us with be as beings. And then he says, if that is not under control, if that, it's not under my management, it's actually harmful. But when you place it under me, you're hitting the sweet spot of life.
And some of you have experienced that. And you thought it was by accident. But it's actually God driving you to an intentional life of living in a, in a managed way. So whether it's our actions or our, our art, our speech, when it's under God's control, it is surprising how lovely it can be. But, you know, but there's, I know there's another group of us that, that think, okay, that's, that's fine, that's you know, good for you guys, but I, I don't feel like I have any influence or power. I, I'm, I, what do I do? You know, I have this, I have that. I don't, I don't have something that I actually influence other people. And so you feel a sense of powerlessness. Well, this is also the same as a person that has perhaps many talents and powers of influence. You see, you, you might even say, if Jesus tells us that blessed are the meek, for they will inherit, it's something about power under control, but if you feel a loss of powerlessness, then it's not under control, correct? It's out of your control, correct? And I know what's happened. That in many cases, that for some of us, well, since it's just us, right? Everybody else is still asleep. Actually, you know what happened probably? They woke up and they realized the hour time change. You know what they thought? Let's just go to breakfast. You know that? Let's just, let's just go to Norm's. And that's their own punishment for going there and eating. But I know how much we like to think we're unique, and we are. Every single one of us, correct? And we just somehow think that we just arrived at where we're at. But you, to a large extent, are the summary of your environment, your genetics, your culture, and even most important, your experience. I think that's almost the most important one. It's determined what you like, what you prefer, how you vote, what you're attracted to. It's determined a lot of that. The problem is that we would believe that that completely defines us. That's this sort of fatalistic view of our own lives. I had these parents. I wasn't held long enough. I had this powerful experience as a teenager. I was this or that. And so I am locked into adulthood as forever being this thing. And that's just not the case. See, I, I, I will say, unless you can convince me otherwise, through the scriptures or through reason, that God is incapable of actually changing your life. I just refuse to believe you're stuck in where you're at. I mean, where's the hope? And if anything that God drives us to believe in is that there's hope. And so let me get back to this idea of powerlessness that means it's out of your control instead of being under God's control. Is that I know that because of those, all those, uh, those components I just mentioned ago, sometimes your, your, your power has been subdued, it's been submerged, and it's finally silenced. And evil entities and dark voices speak to you and say, this is who you really are. And you no longer know what you are, what you could have been. Christ speaks to you also. He's not speaking just to the person that has influence and talents, is charming, is young, is wealthy, or whatever they might be, and can influence lives and has power. He's speaking to everybody who senses powerlessness in their lives. 
Let me place it under my control. Because you are not meant to be the person you were. You're meant to be a person you can be and you are going to be. I think, for some of us, it's, it's just the notion, wow, we connect to God, but we don't, tr- you know, like you, you, you'll, okay, you'll connect to God, but you won't trust him to sync with you. Because you're assuming that if he really syncs with you, he's not going to like what he sees in you. And so you connect sort of tentatively, like touch points. Like when you need a fix, you need a dose of love, you need a healthy whatever. So you just connect briefly. If I could drive anything home to us, is that there is nothing about you that's going to surprise him. Nothing about you that's a deal breaker. He connects. He sinks with us. And it seems like in those moments when he understands everything about you and you know that, that it frees you. And he begins to infuse your life and place it under his control and management. And, and again, I know that for some of us, that idea of control or management seems to be confining and suffocating and, and joyless, but it's actually freedom. It, it's, um, it's just like, the, uh, to me, the idea, interestingly enough, how Paul often uses athletics in his metaphors, it just makes total sense. Anybody, from a musician to a writer to a business person, there are certain disciplines and restrictions they put on their life for something greater. I will give up certain freedoms so that I can do this better. You know, I will uh, you know, not consume so much soda, maybe more protein so that I can become stronger. I'm, I'm going to give up hours of just goofing off to learn this core because that will help me play better. I'm going to control the way I manage my money so that I can make this business more profitable. It is, it is the same principle everywhere. There's a moments of discipline for freedom later. Now, I want you to understand this. This is a life lesson. I don't... Even if you don't buy into this Jesus thing, that's totally fine. You can, we're still friends. You're still welcome to come here. You have to pay for the coffee, though. No, I'm kidding. Of course, it's free. <laughs> it's totally free. Because who would pay for it? No, it's totally free. But here, here's a life lesson no matter who you are. Either, either you place discipline and control into your life or life will place it for you. Period. That's just how life works. And what God is saying is, I will take it to a different level for you. I will place this under my control and management. And you will experience life at a much bigger, bigger level. <laughs> We've heard a baby before, right? So it's okay? All right. We're all good. Burping. We've heard people burping here before too, so it's all good. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11 as we finish off this morning. And then I have a quick announcement for all of you. Matthew 11. Jesus is still talking to folks and he's just speaking to people who, who feel tired, okay? And maybe that's where you're at and, or, and if you're not, you're, you're going to hit it. I guarantee it, you're going to hit this wall sooner or later. And so here's what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you my rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Now some of your translations may say meek. For, uh, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, let me paint this last picture for you before we dismiss this morning. Um, 
some of you know this. If, you, if you've gone to church, you've heard this once, you've heard this a, a million times, that, that the, um, the yoke is the, um, um, well, you take a work animal, let's say an ox, okay? And so the yoke was that wooden bar that paired you up with the other work animal, correct? So he, I guess this is something interesting to me that I find about Jesus saying to us. That I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to pair up with you. And the work that we have to do, I'm, I'm not telling you do this and you're on your own. You better do it right because I'm watching. And if you don't do this right, I'm, I'm not happy with you or I don't love you. He actually says, I will pair up with you in this work. And then he also points out that this yoke, that this, this work, that it seems lighter with me and the burden is easier with me than it is on your own or of any other thing you yoke with or team up with or pair up with. So, I guess the thing to ask ourselves is that at the end of all this is that, okay, you know, some of this has been, been thought-provoking and you, you've given me something to think about. I'm just not sure. Before you even answer that question, answer this question. Is Jesus telling the truth? Is he correct? Or is he wrong? And if he's wrong, does that make us right? And I think maybe the most courageous thing to believe is that actually he's telling the truth. And we can be human beings beyond what we really have imagined. That you can be a person beyond what you imagine. That you can live in a certain freedom beyond what you imagine. That you can actually experience a certain level of fulfillment and joy beyond what you imagine. That you can actually experience life happy beyond what you imagine. Because blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let me pray with you guys. Father, thank you so much for uh, a place to meet and, and friendships and family and those things that have been healthy to our souls. What, what I pray for these, my friends, I pray for myself, is that you help me identify those voices that are lying to us, that have been dark, that have been unhealthy and destructive and damaging to our souls. Help us be courageous men and women that would actually believe what you have to say to us and step into the life that you're calling us into, step into a, this sacred romance that you invited us into. Father, I pray for folks who just feel a little bit tired this morning, maybe a little discouraged, that you would infuse them with your hope. That they would sense your embrace. They would sense your touch on their lives. I pray for those who are physically tired, emotionally tired, and spiritually just spent and depleted. I pray for those of us who claim to be your followers and claim to have connection with you. We're just goofing around with things that, you know, that are just not good. They're maybe not the ideal and not in alignment to what the life you've called us to live. Help us to hear your voice clearly. Help us to hear the voice that causes our souls to thrive. In your son's name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.